Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Week three of Don't Judge Me. We are so glad that you have decided to join us. And I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again, if you missed week one or week two, you need to go back to our website or our app and catch up so that you're fully up to speed. This is one of those series that we all want to be on the same page when it comes to this icky sticky topic. And by the way, uh, just FYI, thank you, those of you who give financially, because you give, we're able to have technology and invest into technology like our website and our app and our online church services and have the ability for people to engage in this content and this experience and, and take their next steps in getting closer to God through Jesus, even when they can't be here physically. So thank you, those of you who give. And some of you are thinking, well, you don't need to thank me, I don't give. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm just thanking those that do give. You can join us, by the way. And you're thinking, well, don't judge me. Welcome to week three of Don't Judge Me. You could not have picked a better day to be here. And you need to get caught up on the first two weeks, trust me. Uh, just to give you a highlight, week one, we talked about how Jesus actually taught that judging is a very normal and natural thing. And judging is okay when you do it in the right way. And there's a right way and a wrong way. And we talked about the right way, the Jesus way of judging. Last week, we talked about when you are judged, you need to be very careful to admit what is true about you, but yet, 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 not be limited by any label that society wants to put on you or other people want to put on you, that you are actually much more than any label that is placed on you. So if you go back and watch last week, you'll be encouraged, and week one will challenge you. Today, uh, we're going to see why all of this is even a thing. We're going to see why all this is true and why all this judging thing even matters. And let me begin with this. Everybody answers to somebody. It's just, just the way it is. Everybody answers to somebody. It's a fact of life, and it begins when you're born, there's your parents. Then you get a little bit older, and there's a teacher, or there's a coach. And then you get a little bit older, and you get a job, so there's a boss, so there's a supervisor. And then you get a little bit older, and there's the government. And there's all kinds of ways that this is true, but everybody answers to somebody. No one stands, no one stands in moral isolation over their own lives. No one. And I know in today's world, it's really hip and cool and it sounds impressive. And I hear people say it all the time, only God can judge me. I don't know if you want an applause or, or what, you know, a sticker, a smiley face or something. When you say that, only God can judge me. Well, first of all, that's not true, right? You get judged all the time. But if you want to play that game, if you want to go down that road, then let me take it a step further. Everyone answers to somebody. The big somebody. The great somebody. The almighty God himself, creator, ruler, sustainer of the universe. Everybody answers to him. This is why judging even exists, by the way. This is why judging is even a thing. The reason why judging even exists is because it's the context of our universe. You and I judge and are judged because we have a judge. 
You and I judge and are judged because there is a judge. Do you see how that works? That's the reason we even talk about this. You may not know this or may not have thought about it like this, but do you know the underlying motivation and thinking, even if it's subconscious, behind atheism is the rejection of this truth? I mean, just think about it. People who say there is no God, and they have their reasons, and maybe you're one of them, and we're so glad you're here, by the way. I think everybody goes through times when they have questions and doubts. I've definitely been there. But the philosophy that drives atheism is to try to come up with an acceptable, plausible, and logical explanation of existence apart from God, apart from a holy, sovereign, divine, creator God. If we can explain the existence of everything that there is and the reason we're all here without a God, then we don't have to answer to him or her or it or whatever you're you know, rejecting as an atheist. That, that's the bottom line behind atheism is the rejection that everybody answers to somebody because we can explain this and we can explain that and we don't need God. But as soon as we say, God, a holy divine being is involved, then ultimately we're responsible. We're accountable. And I know it gets abused, especially in today's world. You know, people joke about it all the time. God's going to get you. Oh, God's going to strike you down. I don't know if I want to be standing near you. Lightning's going to strike. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. God's going to get you. So we make light of it, even though it's true. We dismiss it. We joke it away, and we downplay it. But just because we don't like it doesn't change it. Just because we may not understand how it all works it doesn't change the fact that we will all be judged. It's one of those uncomfortable truths. And it's clear in the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament, just all throughout the scriptures, it's so clear. Let's start in the wisdom writings of King Solomon. We find these words. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Not everything you tried to do, everything you meant to do, everything you intended to do but did, didn't, everything you didn't mean to do but you did, it's just, not just those things, everything, 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 all of that. Solomon actually ends his writings of wisdom in Ecclesiastes with this verse. It's the last verse in the whole book. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether it's good or it's bad. Every secret thing. Uh-oh. Do you feel that? Do you feel the weight of that? I certainly do. And for those of you Bible scholars that are like, oh, no, that's just Old Testament. And, you know, we need to talk about the love of Jesus. We need to get, okay, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. In the New Testament, God tells us through the writings of the Apostle Paul to a group of Christ followers in Galatia. He said, don't be misled. Don't get this wrong. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, which is where we get the saying, and some of you may not even know it. It's, it's right from the scriptures. It's right from the Bible. You always reap what you sow. Now, unfortunately, we always put that in a negative context, but it can go positive as well. You always reap what you sow. 
you will not mock the justice of God. In other words, nobody's going to pull the wool over God's eyes. No one's going to pull a fast one on the big guy. When we get to heaven, God's not going to go, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you guys totally had me on that. I, I don't know how you did that over the last centuries, but woo, you guys are good. No, you cannot mock the justice of God. He sees everything and misses nothing. Paul goes on to write to a group of Christ followers in Philippi. He says, the day's coming that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every, every, mine, yours, everyone that believes in God, everyone that doesn't believe in God, everyone who understands, everyone who doesn't take the time to understand, everyone who knows, even everyone who doesn't, everyone is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. And then the writer of Hebrews bottom lines it. Every, each person is destined to die once and then after then the judgment. That's it. That's my destiny. That's your destiny. We love to talk about destiny nowadays. Well, here's your destiny. Start with this one. You're going to die, and then you're going to face judgment. He said, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, then we'll give you a pass. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. No, that's not one of those, now I lay me down to sleep, warm, fuzzy statements. It's probably not the bedtime story you're going to tell your five-year-old. You're going to get judged. Nighty-night. <laughs> but it doesn't make it any less true. We're not doing anybody any favors. If we just want to experience the warm fuzzies. Everyone is going to die and give an account to God. Now, here, here's, here's what you need to know. And I'm going to summarize. Big-time summary right here. There is a judgment that is reserved specifically for Christians and a judgment that is reserved specifically for non-Christians, non-believers, people who have rejected Jesus or tried to bypass Jesus or disregarded Jesus. Like it or not, popular or not, Jesus referred to two eternal destinies. There is a real place called hell. There's a real place called heaven. I know we like to talk about the heaven thing. We don't like to talk about the hell thing. We've done that here, and we're not afraid of those things, those truths. Now, I, don't like, I don't like that reality. It's not my idea, but it doesn't change it. And I'm responsible for knowing it and understanding it. So are you. So God's going to judge everyone. No one's going to escape the judgment of God. And some of you might be thinking, but wait a second, I thought heaven was just a happy place. I thought when you go to heaven, it's all sunshine and roses and rainbows and butterflies and kittens. No, there are no kittens. <laughs> oh, not even baby cats. I don't think they make it either. I know. Send me an email. I know where the delete button is. was just a happy place where it's just no pain and no sadness and it's all joy yes eventually a careful reading of the scriptures especially towards the end of the new testament you find that it's not until after the judgments 
when God wipes away all tears and then there is no more pain and no more sorrow and no more sadness. Right now, there are tears in heaven. And on judgment day, it's going to be heavy on the heart, heavy on the emotions, heavy on the soul. There will be a day when God says enough, no more tears, no more crying, no more sadness, but not until after the judgment. Now listen, there's gonna be rewards in heaven too. It's not all bad, it's not all negative. You're gonna reap what you sow. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, there will be many of us who receive great rewards in heaven as a part of the judgment. But the point is, no one's gonna escape. No one is gonna escape the judgment of God. Now, the reason people don't like this and the reason people have a problem with this and the reason culture rejects this and has a problem with it and even why Christians, maybe some of you, this makes you squirm and you have a problem with this and you have a hard time justifying this in your mind. The reason why we struggle with this is that we fail to recognize the holy character of God. Let me go there. This is God. God is love. And yet at the same time, God is just. Now, the fact that God is love means because of Jesus Christ, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus Christ, we are accepted by God. We are acceptable to God, not in our own merit, not in our own earnings, but because of what Jesus has done for us. He sees us through Jesus. Thank God he does. And through faith in Jesus, we are acceptable to God in spite of our sin because Jesus paid for our sin. God is love. That means I'm acceptable. But yet God is also just and he is just as just as he is love, and that means I am accountable, and you are accountable, and we are accountable. Now, what's interesting is we don't have any problem with the love part, right? We just squirm about that justice part, but God is both. It's like two sides of one coin. You cannot have one without the other. God is more love than you can fathom, and he is more just than you can handle, And his justice flows out of his love. And his love flows out of his justice. And sometimes it feels good. And we love it when it feels good. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. But we know it's loving. Yeah, we have context in our lives when we know that justice is loving. It's the loving thing to do, right? If you have a teenager, you know that's true. If you can remember back when you were a teenager, you know it's true even though you may not want to admit it, right? If you're a parent of a teenager, you set boundaries and there are rules. Why? Because you love them. Not because you're trying to be the worst parent like ever. Oh my gosh, right? That's, no, because you love them. Because they have the ability to make choices that they are not mature enough to handle the consequences of just yet. They have the ability to make choices. That's, that's, that's why adolescence is so dangerous, Right? Because they're old enough to screw things up pretty bad. And yet they're not mature enough to be able to handle the consequences yet on their own. So we set boundaries and we set rules. Now, if you're the teenager in the story, it don't feel like love. Like, get off my case. If you love me, you let me do whatever the heck I want to do. No, because I love you. It doesn't feel all nice and warm and fuzzy, does it? But there we understand loving justice. Justice that comes from love. Justice that flows from love and love that flows from 
There's a right and there's a wrong. You need to make a wise choice. There's another context we have in life. Maybe some of you, unfortunately, have had this experience. Maybe on either side of this scenario, when someone we love and care about is completely being controlled by a substance. And in the world of substance abuse, there's this word we have in our culture that sometimes it's necessary for family and friends because they love them so much to come around them even by surprise and in love gang up on them and make them get the help they need. We have a word for it. What's that word? You know it. An intervention. Yeah, an intervention. Why, why, why would a family do that? Why would friends do that? Because they love them. That's justice for their own good. Now, when you're the one in the middle of the room sitting in the chair, it don't feel all loving, does it? Hey, let me take it one step further. Did you know that the death of Jesus Christ on a cross for my sins and your sins 2,000 years ago for the sins of the world, do you know what that was about? It wasn't just about God's love. It was also just as much about God's justice for sin to sin, against sin. See, we always like to talk about God's love. Because God loved me, he sent Jesus to die for me. Yes, that is so true. You don't know how true that is. That is so true, it will blow your mind. But at the same time, the reason Jesus had to die on the cross is because God is just and he will not tolerate sin. He cannot tolerate sin. Sin must be accounted for. God is holy and perfect and sin must be answered. So Jesus answered it. And he answered it for me, and he answered it for you, and thank God he answered it for all humanity. He paid our sin for us. Either you do it for yourself, or he does it for you. And I'm so glad he did it for us. But please understand, even the, the awesomeness of Jesus' sacrifice for us is because he bore God's wrath against sin on himself. It happened because God is just. And Jesus did it because God is love. See, I want, I want you to understand, I don't, even think, I don't even think you would want to serve a God that was just one or the other. I don't even think you would really want to serve a God that was only love or only just. I don't think we'd want that. Think about it. I mean, it sounds good, right, if God was only love, if God was only loving, if it was all sunshine and roses and daisies and, and, and rainbows and puppies, Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it wouldn't seem very loving when there was no justice for evil. Now, would it? No, not, not you, right? Because, see, we want God's love for us, and we want justice for everybody else. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't make me feel that way, but we don't want it for us. We want God's love for us, and we want God's justice for everybody else, and it doesn't work that way. You wouldn't want to serve a God that was only love and never just. Because if God was only love, that means people could walk into any school they wanted to at any time and shoot it up. And the people could steal what they wanted to steal and take what they wanted to take and say what they wanted to say and do what they wanted to do and they would have to never answer for it. You wouldn't want to live in a world like that and I wouldn't want to live in a world like that if God was only love. But I can promise you, you would not want to live in a world where God was only just either. Think about it. 
If God settled all the scores immediately and there was no mercy, no grace, no forgiveness, and God quickly and immediately answered every wrong thought, every wrong deed, every wrong intention, you know what would happen to us? We would all be immediately and eternally vaporized. Because there is more evil in my heart and more evil in your heart than we're comfortable admitting. I wouldn't want God to be only love and I wouldn't want God to be only just. You know what I want? You know what I need? You know what we want? You know what we need? We want the loving justice of a holy God. The truth is we all benefit from God's love. The truth is we're all accountable to God's justice. So what now? Right? So everybody answers to somebody, I got it. God is love and God is just. Okay, I got it. So now what am I supposed to do with all that? This, this is why judging even exists. Here's what, you're, here's what you're to do. Here's what I'm to do. It's just a very normal, natural response. We live aware, not afraid, but aware that God is love and God is just, that I'm acceptable and I'm accountable, that I live aware of this truth. I don't have to live afraid. God is not mean. God is not some cosmic bully. I don't have to live on eggshells around God. Because of Jesus, I can live forgiven and through grace and free. But at the same time, God's judgment is real and it is serious and it's not something to be trifled with. So I must live aware. And a healthy fear of God is in order when you understand who God is. God is completely loving and completely just. A healthy fear. Because see, we get the wrong idea about fear. You know, I thought God said, fear not, fear not. Isn't that the most common commandment Jesus gave? Fear not, fear not. Yeah, but he's talking about a different thing. He's talking about not being afraid of life and all that kind of stuff. It is a very normal and natural and healthy and good thing for you and I to have a healthy fear of who God is. Because here's the deal, I can promise you, nobody's going to get to heaven and waltz up to the throne and go, hey, well, what up, G? <laughs> Nobody. The first millisecond before the throne of God, you will find yourself on your face. I will find myself on my face. Because we're in the presence of holy perfection. You and I don't even have a category in our brains for that. But according to everything we know, your brain will short circuit in that moment. And the only thing that will feel natural is holy reverence of worship immediately. So a healthy fear, if you're aware, is in order. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be scared of God. But be aware. And what does it look like when we're aware? Here's what it looks like. When you live aware, not afraid, but live aware, you prepare. Yes, I rhymed it so that you could remember it. When you live aware, you prepare. You prepare knowing one day I'm going to stand before a holy, loving, yet just God. 
When you live aware, you prepare every day because you know that now matters later. Now matters later. What I do today matters for eternity. How I live today matters for eternity. How, what choices I make now is going to matter a thousand years from now. Yeah. You say, well, that's a lot of pressure. Not meant to be pressure. It's just reality. And you know, I, I think back to like when we were kids. It's one thing to go clean your room when you know you need to right? When you can't find anything and you know there's whatever you're wanting to wear that day is, or what, you know, the last clean thing you have is under the pile somewhere. So ah, I probably should clean my room. It's a whole different thing when you clean your room because you know mom's going to inspect it. Isn't that a whole different thing? Because there's the, you go clean your room because you need to. And then there's the, hey, go clean your room. You've got one hour. You've got two hours. Or if your mom is really gracious, I'll give you to the end of the day. And then I'm going to come look. And I'd better not see a pile here, a pile there, and I better not smell anything that I can't identify. Right? You clean your room differently when you know inspection's coming. You prepare. You prepare. Now, it's not always a bad thing, because if you do this right, when mom walks up, she's going to give you a big old hug and like, oh, baby, look at this. I'm so proud of you. This is amazing. You know what? You don't have to clean your room for the next year. I made that last part up because no mom in her right mind would ever say that. But you get the point, right? Here's a cookie. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the deal. When you live aware that everybody answers to somebody. God is love, yet God is just. You live aware. And you prepare every day. Because you never know. You know that last verse we read in, in Hebrews where our destiny, our, our, our appointment is to, we're going to die one time, and then after that, we're going to be judged. And I, I don't know when that's going to happen for you. and I don't know what's going to happen for me. And, and I'm not being a negative guy, and okay, but reality is, it, it could happen for somebody by the end of the day. It could happen tomorrow, right? So we live aware and we prepare. We prepare today for eternity. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what it looks like for you. You need to seriously consider, begin putting your trust and faith in Jesus as your Savior. You need to seriously consider beginning making the decision to trust him and him alone as your forgiver and as your savior. And you can start that right now. You see, you, you don't, you don't want to leave this earth unprepared. That's not a threat. That's a reality check. And I tell you that because I care about you. Because even though I don't like it and you don't like it, hell's a real thing. But thankfully, so is heaven. And because of Jesus, bearing the justice of God on his shoulders for you, you don't have to go to hell. By putting your trust in Jesus, you receive his new life that will last forever. And if you're a follower of Jesus already, live aware. Wise up, live aware. And prepare. Prepare. So that when you stand before God, yes, it's going to be gut-wrenching. Yes, there's going to be so much where we failed. But you can also be rewarded 
for your faithfulness in honoring God with your life that he has given you as you trust and follow him. So live every day in honor to God. Do everything you do in honor to God. Do your relationships God's way. Do your finances God's way. Do your, your job God's way. Do everything God's way according to his word as a follower of Jesus. Not so that God will love you and forgive you, but because he has loved you already through Jesus. And because you're already forgiven. Because you know inspection day is coming. And if God didn't want us to know that and be motivated by it, he wouldn't have told us. He wouldn't have made it so abundantly clear that everybody answers to somebody, to a holy, loving, and just God. So live aware, prepare. I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna sing a song in just a moment. Actually, we're gonna sing a couple songs, but this next song is a great response to what we've been talking about. It's what naturally should happen when we understand that God is a God of loving justice. Let's pray that God would help us become more aware than ever before. And again, this guy, let me tell you, and, and I, this is not a time for you to leave early. This is not a time for you to beat everybody else to lunch. This is a time for you to respond. Right now, beginning the preparation. Father, we come to you, holy, divine, awesome, amazing God, more loving than we can fathom, more just than we can handle, and we thank you for sending Jesus to bear the weight of your justice, to express the full measure of your love all in one moment, all in one space when he gave his life for us. Thank you. Thank you. And for every single person that is not putting their trust in you as Savior. And then may they begin doing that right now in this moment by calling out to you for forgiveness and calling out to you as their Savior, knowing that one day they will stand before you so they prepare now. And for every follower of Jesus, may we live lives that honor you every day, starting this day knowing that inspection day is coming. And it's not meant to be something to be afraid of. Even though it will be heavy, it's something that we can approach with confidence because of your grace and because of your love. May we take your judgment seriously and live aware and prepare. And Father, we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.